I had a I had a actually a, an incident where Quiddy Pay. Yeah. It was his rookie year. You know, I felt like we both got to the quarterback at the same time. It was his first it was his first career sack. And they gave him the entire they gave yeah, him the whole tough. sack. And I, I knew I was like, oh, this this is like it was a bang bang. You know, we both mm-hmm. hit him at the same time, but they gave it to Quiddy. And you know, uh, and I was like, you know what? He's a rook. I was like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not gonna turn it in. I'm a, I'm gonna let him have the sack. You're a better man than me. But hey, came full circle. We're playing San Francisco. All right, later that year, we're yeah. in San Francisco. Obviously, like it's a big game for me. It's the end of the game. I come around the corner. I sack Jimmy G. I'm I, like I have him, and Quiddy's right there, and he just stops. Uh. He he just stops and he lets me take Jimmy G down by by myself. And, That's so cool. And I was like, you know what? That's a good ass rook. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. Happy Thursday. Special NFL Green Light Podcast previews for you today. We got Chris and Macon breaking down each NFL game for the Week 16 slate. We talk playoff implications. We talk biggest games. We talk the Chargers. What coaches might fill into that slot best? 49ers-Ravens on Christmas Day. We preview all of it. We have a good time. We even talk a little best bets. And then after previews, we've got Indianapolis Colts defensive lineman DeForest Buckner. He has a great conversation with Chris. He talks quitty pay and playing for head coach Shane Steichen, having a mentee relationship with Michael Bennett, and the Colts' late-season playoff surge. Yo, please enjoy the episode. Big shout out to Hayden Craig. The homie sent us some great wine, some great hazelnuts from his farm. Appreciate you, Hayden. Happy holiday season to everyone out there. Just want to let you know, next week we will have an episode for you on the 26th. Tuesday the 26th, we'll have a recap episode. And our usual preview show will be on Friday. We'll catch you all then. Much love. Welcome to the show. Macon's upstairs because I'm treating him like he has Ebola. Uh, although it's just a stomach bug. But the stomach bug has been going around, so little backstory. Macon, playing Hurt, I appreciate him, the whole thing. Uh, he's Jalen Hurts, only he's going to play better today. Um, he was like, I'm coming in. We're doing the podcast. And I assumed that many felt better. And then on another group text, there was like an invitation to a lunch on Thursday. And he's like, nah, really still sick. <laughs> and like, I'm on my way to, I'm, I'm on my way to work. And I'm like, the math isn't adding up here. Like, so I get here, Macon hasn't texted me back. I said, hey, maybe you could take the day off or something. Because personally, I don't feel like getting sick. We dodged a triple crown with Luke, pneumonia, strep, uh, and then flu, one of the flus. Um, and you know, it's been working its way around the office, but I've been dodging this thing and I'm going to Philly today with my family. Remember, we were going to do a Christmas vacation, a warm weather vacation that my wife, my lovely wife had decided to start planning December the 3rd. So that's why we're going to Philadelphia. <laughs> we're not going anywhere warm. We're going to the 76ers and the wolves. I'm really looking forward to nice. that. Matt, Matt's giving me the, the American psycho nod dot Jeff, because 
he is a sicko for the NBA, and he says it's one of the best matchups you could possibly see. But I don't want to get a stomach bug while I'm in Philly. I'm supposed to go ice skating tomorrow. Are you going to ring the bell? Supposedly I'm going to ring the bell. And my question was, hey, guys, like, I appreciate the tickets. These guys have always hooked me up, the Sixers and the whole thing. But, make like, is it a code break to, to ring the bell every time you go to the game? Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Once a year, is that too much? No, I think once a year is great. It's an honor. I would be asking the question, may I root for Anthony Edwards because he's the most electric so player fun. in the NBA. The Wolves are 20 so- and 5, dog. No, I know. I, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I was just like, yeah, we're going to the Sixers game because literally I've been so busy. I haven't been able to like really look at things more than a day out. And, you know, Matt's like, who are they playing? And I'm like, the, the Wolves. He almost had a conniption because like this, I guess they're the most exciting team in the NBA. Besides the Sixers. So I'm going to ring the bell. Um, this is my third time. I think it's going to be my best one. The first one, I didn't even know what I was doing. Me and Lane Johnson went and did it in our dog masks. And, I, you know, like, I'll admit, I, was, I had a gummy, and I didn't even know where to hit the <laughs> bell. I was, like, hitting the wrong part of the bell. Because it's not self-explanatory when you get up there, you know? Um, it's, it's not like landing a 747. You know, I'm but a man. There's some things as a man that I need some instruction on. I, and I need instruction on this bell. So uh, when we get there, I'm going to take a few practice swings on an imaginary bell. I'm going to go out there. I'm not going to embarrass my family. And then tomorrow we're going ice skating at some point, um, which is a big revenge game for me because the last time I had skates on, I probably had a concussion. Undiagnosed as a kid. There was no protocol. My parents didn't put me through protocol. I saw stars hit the back of my head like Trevor Lawrence. This is a big revenge game for me. That's appropriate now that the Flyers are wearing the dog mask. How about that, dude? Every cool. once in a while, I, I look up and I'm like, yeah, we did some shit there. Like, that's pretty cool. Those hockey guys are cool. Um, hey, man, so anyways. Let me give, just go. give you the cliff notes because I hear stomach bug and I'm, I shrug it off. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I was in the hospital, okay? I, like, crawled through the doors of the hospital to try to get some sort of IV fluid in me, and, 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 and they, they, they obliged, and I started to feel better. It's about 9 p.m. when I'm leaving the hospital Monday, and my lovely wife Kate says, hey, can you not come home because, you know, contagious and such? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem, I get it. Went to the hotel, okay, I got a hotel room. Mm, took a shower, got in bed, okay, dozed off, got a phone call about 10.30, it's my lovely wife Kate. Hey, uh, one kid's up throwing up. The other two are up screaming. You need to come home. <laughs> that sucks, dude. I'll see you in a few. You know what? That, that, that's like uh, one of these quarterbacks that thinks they're done. You're like Zach Wilson in that situation. Yes. You're like, all right, I'm at the hotel. Uh, this is my home. <laughs> Everything that I care about is in between these walls. And your wife's like, MacGruber, it's cunt. And then you got to go home. It was incredible. It was an incredible night. I feel bad for you. Thank you. I feel bad for you. We're on the rebound. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. I'm sure the the people at the hospital rushed right by the the, past the people with gunshot wounds and and car accident victims and tended to you immediately. Dude, that ER is for real. And shout out to my uh, roommate who had a bunch of hemorrhoids on my Angus. I hope he's doing better (laughs) as well. Wait, he had a... Who had hemorrhoids? I, I was sharing a room. At the hospital? Yeah, and there's like a curtain between Isn't that us. a HIPAA violation? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know his name. I'm not sharing any, any social security numbers. But he said, yeah, Doc, I got a bunch of hemorrhoids on my Angus. <laughs> <laughs> he said Angus? He said Angus every time. It was amazing. That guy, every time he goes to a steakhouse, he's like, Angus beef. That sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so, um, rump roast. 
Yeah, Rumpros. Gl- glad to have you out of the hospital, Thank and you. we put you upstairs for sure. Like it's the the movie Contagion, but I don't want selfishly. I don't want to take any chances. So it's actually really good seeing you on the the Zoom. This is kind of fun. Maybe we should just start doing more quarantine pods. Yeah, the light's a little warmer up here. I don't look as. Uh... As butt cheeks. But no, that text message to the group was just to get out of a lunch. I think you knew that. I figured that. Yeah. I figured that. But, you know, it's hard to know with you sometimes. So we are going to get pretty much right into the previews um, because I do have to head to Philly in about an hour here. And Lord knows uh, when we get to talking about these games, it's hard to stop. So, Macon, where are we going to start with this week's games? We're going to start in the Dom DeSandro tier. These tiers are named after Italian-Americans. RIP to Dom DeSandro, who is watching us from above, as Joe Buck uh, so stated on Monday Monday night. They had like a white orchid in front of him. I thought he was at like a funeral. He had like a a black sweatsuit on. I was like, is everything okay? Um, But at least he's taken care of. He's like uh, Browning's girlfriend. And we'll start with what is potentially a Super Bowl preview. Baltimore Ravens at San Francisco 49ers. Pair of 11-3 and three clubs. Niners favored by 5.5 coming off the uh, win over the cards last week. So we're doing, what, Christmas Eve game, Christmas Day games for the first time, right? Like we're taking the NBA shit. Yep. And we're like, hey, NBA, like, uh, you, you, what do you got, Suns, Lakers? That's cool. It's not the first time, but it, you, it, they're doing it again. They're doing it again. Their flag is fully planted. The fl- and the in-season tournament took away the Christmas Day luster a little bit, so it's all you guys now. Dude, it's all us, and the NFL is just like, wham, here's my nuts. On Christmas Day, uh, good luck moving them. We've got the Niners and the Ravens in a Super Bowl preview because a lot of people believe that. And like, what I realized in starting to do this YouTube show is that um, I meet a lot of fans that don't listen to the show, and maybe the only time that they that they come across our stuff is when there's a pointed YouTube video that goes out and targets their fan base. And what I've realized about Ravens fans is I am a big fan of your team. I picture you to win the division. Um, I got nothing good, but good things to say about Lamar. But when I, when I express concern about Mark Andrews or Keaton Mitchell or the fact that, like, hey, a lot of those plays on, on Sunday night were play extensions where, you know, it's predicated on the rush not getting there. Um, you guys think I'm hating on you. I'm not hating on you. I still think you're one of the best two teams, three teams in the AFC. And you might have one of the best chances to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Um, and this game's not only a Super Bowl preview, but it's also an MVP deciding game. Like, you know, uh, barring something unforeseen down the stretch because the MVP has become kind of like the Heisman to me. It's like who has the biggest win, the latest, and has the best stats. It's changed four times this year, um, and I think it's landed squarely with Brock Purdy versus, um, versus Lamar Jackson, and Purdy's the favorite. And I think that probably reflects the fact that, that Vegas thinks they're going to win this game. I mean, that's a lot of points for a Super Bowl preview, five and a half or whatever it is. Lamar's really good as a dog. But the question I would ask is, you know, without Keaton Mitchell, you know, the, the, the speed operation that they pivoted to a little bit more, spreading things out, um, the whole thing post Mark Andrews, Lamar made a lot of great plays, like I said, last Sunday night, but a lot of them were extensions because you couldn't get home for Jacksonville. And the question I would ask is, how many 49ers defensive linemen do you have to go down the list before you get to Jacksonville's second-best defensive lineman? I don't know what the answer to to that is, but there's a big difference in the guys that are going to be chasing this guy around in the pass game, and then there's a big difference in the guys that are going to be chasing him around when the play breaks down on the second level. 
And if you've got Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner patrolling the middle of the field, mixing in some spy, um, I think for me the biggest question is, are you going to be able to stop the run game and Gus Edwards? If you can do that, I think San Francisco is going to have a really nice day. And no disrespect to the Ravens, but I really do think San Francisco is in a class of their own. And I would have said the same thing before the Eagles game. You know, I, I hinted at just that. You know, me, just so you know, and this is, only, this is almost going to be a bit now, because this isn't an Eagles podcast, but I'm an Eagles guy. When you hear me not give out a play on an Eagles game, that means I'm picking against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I will never say the Eagles are going to lose until they're like a bad team. And I can do that every week. Call me biased. Call me whatever you want, but just read, read the tea leaves a little bit. San Francisco's really good. Um, can the Ravens score enough to keep pace? That's kind of my question. They like spacing con- concepts. Um, you know, and, and for San Francisco, you should be able to manage that. Um, I just think like it's crazy, Make, that the beginning of the season, it was, it was the NFC was an afterthought. You know, people were like, hey, the AFC, it's just so loaded, it's so lopsided. And it is deeper in a lot of ways if all the quarterbacks were healthy and that sort of thing. But, you know, the Dolphins are favored by a point at home against the Cowboys this week off a Cowboys game where they got their asses kicked in Buffalo. Um, And I think that line's probably right to be within three points either way. But what I am saying is that, you know, you look across the, the country at this game and San Francisco's laying almost a touchdown at home against the Ravens. And so the power in the league has shifted the NFC's way. And, uh, and I think it's just very interesting. Probably a little bit different if they have Mark Andrews and Keaton Mitchell going back to the beginning of the season, J.K. Dobbins, Duvernay, a couple guys on defense, Baltimore a little bit shorthanded. But as a guy who was on the Jags, holy heck was that frustrating watching Lamar just have as much time as he wanted to dance around and pick what he wanted to do, throw or run or do whatever. And the Ravens are averaging 163 yards on the ground, which is a, a wild number. We'll see if they'll be able to do that moving forward with Gus and Justice. Likely not this Christmas Day, though. And I'm not saying we were on the right side, mate, because we were both on the Jags. You gave it out. I bet it. But, you know, it, it has to be a top five frustrating game that I bet this year, you know, because the Jags cannot get out of their own way. And I really did think the delta between those teams wasn't as big as the score indicated. And that's not taking anything away from the Ravens, but uh, the Jags just couldn't they, – they, they beat themselves. And we're going to get to the Jags in a little bit. But I cannot wait for this game. Again, it's like, hey, we own Christmas. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It's an MVP deciding game. It's a Super Bowl preview in a lot of people's minds. And I cannot wait for Monday night. You mentioned it, 10-4 and four Cowboys at 10-4 and four Dolphins. The line is one and a half. Cowboys coming off a three-touchdown loss against Buffalo. Dak on the road again. Uh, Dolphins took care of business against the Jets. What do you see? Does Dak, does Dak stay true to, to, to redacted on the road? Or does he so I'm on, back? The, I'm, I'm on the boys here. I really am, Make. You know, like this was the first lock I gave out. You know, um, akin to me feeling really sure about the Bills last week. Um, this is a spot where if you're just a gambler and you kind of you, you buy a team low, you sell a team high, this is a perfect spot for that because the Dolphins have been in this pattern of bad loss to a good team, you know, disappointing, you know, thing happening. And then they, they beat the dog shit out of some team that that, in my opinion, is not great. Like the Jets, even as good as their defense is. 
when your offense is, is pressured at an 80% plus click, you're not going to get much help from that group. And, you know, as the game went on, the fake punt early in the game, the whole thing, like that game with a competent offense from the Jets is probably a little closer. They blank them, 30 nothing. So this week, you know, Dolphins fans are all the way back in, and I don't blame them. This is a very talented group, even with, with, with uh, Tyreek off the field, even with the offensive line injuries they've had. I give a lot of credit to that coach and also to Tua last week for getting the ball out at a 2.1-second clip. That's kind of like when they live in that under 2.4 seconds uh, in, in that area, they can play with anybody. You know, it, it's a nightmare to play this offense if they can operate on schedule. Um, I figure Cheetah's going to play. Like, that's the way I, I think about this. I, I, I put something on the Cowboys when this first thing, when it first came out and they're a one-point favorite. I would bet them to, like, four. But I also believe that when Cheetah is announced, this line's going to move a little bit. So I'm sitting tight right now. But watch the line and grab the Cowboys. Um, you know, I, I, you might think Miami's going to run the ball. Look what happened Sunday. But this is a totally different running attack, and it's a totally different personnel, and it's a totally different flavor. Um, I don't think they're physical enough to pound the ball on the Cowboys the way that the Bills did. And it comes down to, uh, really, for me, uh, how do you do on first and second down on the edge for the Cowboys? The Eagles game... They created negatives. They knocked down stretch plays. They had really they have dynamic edge guys. You know Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. Dallas has the same thing, and you know like if they can be that penetrating defense that I know they are, they'll knock these plays down on the edge and they'll play the flats with the team speed they have top down. And if you can create negatives, that's your best shot on third down. Because I do think the one thing that scares me for the Cowboys is the middle of the field. Talked about this a lot. I don't think they're great in the middle of the field, not up front, not at, at backer. Um, that's an area that if you're not great, the Dolphins can pick you apart. So can they hide that better than the Dolphins can hide their offensive line? That's, that's the chess match in this game. Who can hide the weakness better? And I think Dallas can probably hide that weakness better. Uh, the thing that worries me about Dallas a little bit is if you, you went back and watched the Washington game, they racked up a lot of yardage and, a, and had a lot of success throughout the game, really. They got into trouble because of short yardage in the second half, couldn't finish drives. But they moved the ball with the quick game in Dallas. And, you know, I kind of worry about that little snapshot. Um, but this is a big chance on the road for Dak and for the Cowboys to go win against the team with a winning record in December. We talked about that record last week. I, th I think it was something like two and five or two and six against teams going to the playoffs in December. If you take out, you know, them beating us at home week 17, 2017, where we're resting guys, um, this is an opportunity for them to go right that ship. And, and Dak versus zone, not as good. But one key thing is I think he struggles more against middle field closed coverages. And th that's what gave him issues last week. Um, he does a better job against quarters and, you know, against six and split safety stuff. And, and Fangio is going to run more of that stuff. Now, does Fangio say, hey, does he notice what I'm noticing? I'm sure he does. Does he feel like he can get into those looks? I really like for Dallas Pollard out of the backfield. You know, I think I, I, that was an inclination for me. We ran the numbers. Pollard, like middle of the league and success rate in the passing game. But, but the Dolphins bottom ten when you play running backs out of the backfield in the pass game. So the injuries are big. Like Martin could be out. You know, that, that's a big deal. He's got a quad. 
You got Wilkins, you got Sealer looming. They've got some good players up front. Um, but the big question for me about that Dolphins defense is they've been at the top of the league in a lot of categories since week four. Now, I look closely at the teams they've played, and I, I believe this can be an elite unit. And at times I've wanted more out of this unit. Uh, but they played the Panthers, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Jets twice, the Titans, and the Commies. And they've also played the Chiefs and the Eagles, who, according to a lot of people, are actually not good offenses. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a really big test for them, playing a big-time offense at home. And for Dallas, they want to beat teams with, with good records in December. And Miami wants to beat good teams, period, because they haven't done it. And that's why I say these two teams are kind of like mirror images in some ways. Yeah. You know, and so this is a big test for both teams and a lot on the line when it comes to playoff seating because Dallas thought they were giving a game up to the Eagles, then watched the Eagles flounder on Monday night, and now the Dolphins are chasing that number one seed because Baltimore's going Sunday. Uh, they're going to travel out to, to, to San Francisco and play Monday, and if you're the Dolphins, you feel pretty good about the chances of them losing that game. You want to pick up a game. This is huge. Last time the Dolphins beat a team with a winning record was October 2022. Uh, Christmas Eve, a thick cloud cover and breezy with a shower in spots. High of 77, low of 68 for Santa Claus in Miami Gardens. Let's go. Let's let's check on the uh, comeback kids, Chris. Yeah. Browns at Texans. Browns came back to beat the Bears last week. Texans got the Titans. Now we're hearing C.J. Stroud might miss his second game in a row. So this really fucked me, Mike. I know you looked at the locks. I just can't catch a gosh darn break. Uh, gave out the Texans, figuring that C.J. Stroud's going to play. That number was Texans laying like two points. And now this line has swung to, uh, to the Texans catching three. And I still don't think it's doom and gloom for the Texans. Like, I like Case Keenum. He's a guy who used to play for the Browns. Uh, you know, he's popular in a lot of cities because people really like the guy for some of the spot starts that he's been able to, to come in and, and look competent. And, you know, like last week, kind of pulled that one out of his ass. Um, that was a huge game for them. But part of me wonders with the C.J. Stroud concussion is are the Texans like punting on the season? You know, I'm not saying that, that he's not ready, but if he's close and they're not sure, like is it something you want to mess around with? I said earlier this week, if they had Tank Dell and they were at full strength, I think they can win a playoff game. I think they can go to Kansas City and win. I think they can go to Miami and win. I think they can beat the best teams in the AFC. They showed you that with Cincinnati on the road earlier this year when they were at full strength. But I just don't know now. And so you kind of wonder what the Texans are thinking. Like, do you chance it if he takes a turn for the better late in the week? But Keenum is a good backup to have. Um, again, the line has moved about five points, and Stroud's maybe worth that much. Um, but on the report, you also have Nico Collins, maybe up, maybe down. Emerson's a really good matchup for anybody um, that you consider the number one on the field on Sunday. And then even with, with Delpit down, I, I think you're in good shape. Um, the, the question for me is, do the Texans have run concepts that work against this team? Because Singletary's come on. Last week he was really good. He was a big part of them winning that game, especially in a game where you're not really afraid of anybody beating you on the back end. And so you do have to commit some bodies or you, you choose to commit some bodies and, and handle the run game and you have confidence in the back end. This is a team that has real reason to have confidence in the back end. So I kind of wonder how, how they dare Case Keenum in spots to beat them. You know, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if they have to, because usually the teams that rack up run yardage 
on the Cleveland Browns are gap scheme teams, and Slowick is not a gap scheme guy. Now, we saw with Indy, they major an inside zone, and they came out and ran some gap scheme and scored 38 points on these guys. And I think this is the biggest question when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Can they go on the road? Can that defense travel? Defense usually travels, but not this defense so far this year. There is a 17-point delta in who they are at home and on the road. You know, they're best in the league at home. They're worst in the league on the road. They're giving up almost 30 points a game. And so, you know, when you talk about who the best defenses in the league are, how good is your defense if it's not functional for you in January? Because the only way that they're going to make a run is winning on the road. And so I look at this, this, this game for them as a playoff tune-up. Like, I think the Browns are going to be in. Um, they have to take care of business. Uh, but when you look at going down to, to Houston where this team's played better and this team's going to have their backs against the wall, this is the feeling it's going gonna, it's gonna to be when you go on the road in January. And so to me, for this defense, I want to prove that, th- that defense travels. Um, and it's a great opportunity for them. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of a question like we make a big deal about the Eagles without Dom DeSandro. They're 0-3. You know, is, do- is, is the dog pound their Dom DeSandro, you know? You know, is, is, it the, is it the dog pound for them? Is that their Dom DeSandro? We'll find out. Because this weekend, this is a matchup they should win defensively. And the Texans, the way they closed that game out last week, is a defensive line who hadn't got enough credit this year. This year, And Will Anderson is going to be down probably, right? It's a high ankle. Those are a bitch to play with uh, two weeks out. I don't know. But uh, if they can take advantage of these two tackles for Cleveland, because Cleveland has morphed into a passing football team. They ran the ball like 18 times last week. You know, that doesn't sound like the Cleveland – Browns of September and October or DTR starting ball games, Flacco has thrown the ball like 40 times a game. So you're going to have opportunities to create turnovers. The Bears did it. They couldn't get anything off their turnovers. You know, that, the trend has continued with the Bears. Where it's the last nine picks, I think they scored 13 points off those turnovers. But can the Texans create one or two? Can that D-line take advantage of these guys who are up for the Browns? Texans were on my lock list that I sent in. I also anticipated CJ playing. Thoughts and prayers are with you. Thank you. Total fuckery. Another team on my lock list that I am on are the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're at Tampa Bay. Jacksonville, three weeks ago, eight and three. We were talking about path to a number one seed, home field advantage throughout. And now they're a dog at Tampa Bay and Coach Todd Bowles. Plus one. Coach of the year, Todd Bowles. Coach of the year. Uh thoughts and prayers to Stanford Steve yeah uh so I think what's interesting about this game is this like Trevor and Baker okay when I say Trevor and Baker NFL fans for the most part have different ideas of who these guys are but this year uh there's a lot they have in common both leading teams to you know division leads seven and seven for the Bucks, and you know at eight and, and six you're tied for the division lead uh, in Jacksonville. Now, you know, Trevor has gone 65%, 3,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Baker, 63%, 300, or uh, Baker, 63%, 3,300 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Both offenses have struggled to move the ball at times, uh, and both offenses have good receiving options. Um, so, like, you can see that as it stands today, these two players are not that far apart. If anything, Baker's played better this year. Uh, and, and they're both number one picks. Uh, if you can remember the, the, the circumstances where these guys got drafted, Macon. Remember, it was tank for Trevor. 
And then on the other end of it, it was like, they're actually drafting Baker first. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy's short. He, he has a temper. He, he, you know, he looks like my uncle out there. Um, is he really a number one overall pick? But with Trevor, we were like, yeah, look at the, the high ass on this guy. Look at, the, look at the big muscles. Look at the big arm. Look at the, you know, like he's, he's, he's a warrior. I mean, like he has all the intangibles. And I still believe that stuff about him, you know, right down to the high ass. You know, the guy's a physical specimen. But there's not that much difference if you look closely in how these two situations could play out. Okay, and I'm not saying Trevor's not the guy in Jacksonville. This is a big stretch for him down the stretch. And obviously, um, there's more football to play to decide this. But with Baker, you know, you had Hugh and Kitchens and some combination of that for two years. Um, and, and Freddie Kitchens doesn't even look like an offensive coordinator. He looks like one of Hank Hill's friends. And... You know, he's, he's 49 touchdowns, 35 picks over that two-year span. And then comes Stefanski, his Doug Peterson, right? A real coach. And he goes 11-5, and five, wins a playoff game for the Browns. They were electric that year at times. Um, and he's 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And then you have the injuries, which is a thing that Trevor Lawrence has dealt with and could deal with more down the road. He's a tough guy. He wants to play. It's like Baker playing in a shoulder sling to start that very next year. Uh, and, and, and at that point, early in the season, week two, he gets dinged and, and tries to play through. And then eventually he, he, he gets moved and he's on a bunch of teams and now here he is. And for Trevor, rookie year, a lot of picks, 12 and 17. He had his Freddie Kitchens um, you know, there in Urban Meyer, 4,100 yards the next year, 25 and eight, when he had a real coach. So, you know, like my question to people would be, and as you frame thinking about this game, what has Trevor Lawrence done that Baker Mayfield hasn't? Do you know Trevor's career record as a starter? No. 20 and 28. Hmm. Oh, so worse percentage than Baker. So all I'm saying is, and, and I know some people during that kind of diatribe are thinking like, come on, Chris, like that's a stretch. But honestly, it's not a hot take that, you know, like Trevor could – could go out to the coin toss and you know he's like I'm looking at, at, at I'm looking at Baker Mayfield and I'm looking at Trevor from the future you know Spider-Man. like this is you know this is this is the Spider-Man meme situation possibly if Trevor doesn't turn it around um you know and I bet you Baker would say hey take care of your body you know and that's something that Trevor at times in the best interest of his team he thinks he hasn't taken care of his body and he showed up in big spots and actually looked pretty good like the New Orleans game earlier this year and the whole thing but he's got a concussion this week does he even play but if we get these two guys I think it's easy to say well the Jags are better and Trevor's better you know this is a bounce back game for the Jags but I still think Trevor's got a lot to prove and I think Baker has less pressure on him you know Baker's out there playing with house money he already died you know what I mean He's back from the dead. Trevor hasn't gone through that yet, and maybe that happens at some point if he keeps playing the way he's played. But there's not much that separates these guys this year. And I, I thought it's a Jag spot. Um, the Packers threw the ball around all over the field, really. I mean, Love wasn't that bad last week. He, he had some big spots in that game. But they had Carlton Davis out. We don't have an update on that. And really, it was a thing where they made Love throw the ball outside the numbers. If, if Trevor has to throw the ball outside the numbers – those are the throws he has to hit. And this team absolutely needs him to make the throws that Jordan made. The difference is going to be that that defense has to take away that newfound identity. The newfound identity for Tampa Bay is, oh, we can run the ball. We figured it out over the last month with Dave Canales 
and, 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 and Rashad White, who I think is a very good player, out of the backfield as well. Rashad. Rashad White. Only the 17th time that I'm going to make that mistake this year. Um, but they're going to be calling his name a lot this weekend to see if they can test that run front. I think that's the big key to the game. If Jacksonville can control that run game and make them one-dimensional, it'll be a look that they haven't seen over the last month. Jags play a lot of cover three, uh, just like the, uh, the, 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 the Packers, but I think the personnel is better and I think the coordinator is better. On the other side of things, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has to, has to be better against the Blitz. It's not something he's done a great job of. So not a foregone conclusion. Some people look at this line and say, oh, Jacksonville by one. You know, but, but this is a big spot, and both teams uh, have a lot of similarities. Final game of our top tier, 10-4 and four Lions at 7-7 seven and seven Vikings. Vikings just lost by three to the Bengals. Next two for Vikings after this one, home Packers. And then at Lions, the line is minus three, Detroit on the road. I don't know what it is for me, but you know there's those moments that you talk about for a couple decades. I remember where I was when this happened. I remember when I was a kid in Detroit and, and, and the Lions clinched on Christmas Eve for the first time in over 20 years. I, I just got chills saying that. And I'm not even a Lions fan. Um, I still have chills. They won't go away. Wayne Fox. Because this is fucking insane, man. I mean, like what Dan Campbell's done here to put them in position to take over this division. And we talked about the fact that Jordan Love coming on, Kevin O'Connell getting hired, like you know, you, you don't just win a division and stay there. You have to continue to grow as a team and as a franchise. They're going to have to stave these teams off in the future. But right now, you have a chance to put this thing away. And I think if they clinch on Christmas, it's got to be one of the top five, ten American sports moments. And by that, I mean, like, this is just an all-American sports moment. A downtrodden franchise, middle of America, Rust Belt, all the factories are empty. You know, people flee in this city. Uh, Pistons have lost 26 straight. Pistons lost 20. I didn't even know that. Is something, that true? Something like that. It's, it's just it's, it's the downtrodden team having that moment. And if you know anything about becoming a good team, enjoy people loving you well while you can. Because, you know, on a bigger scale, the Chiefs used to be everybody's darling, and now they're tired of them. And so right now, like Detroit, you have it going. <laughs> Everybody's pulling for you. Uh, most of America's pulling for you. If, if you're not pulling for the Lions and you're not a Minnesota Vikings fan, like I think you're mad at yourself this weekend. There's something wrong in your life if you're not pulling for the Lions. And maybe you took the Vikings plus three or plus three and a half, but I really do think this is a, this is a good spot for Detroit. Last year when they played each other in the second game, it's not, it's not an exact inverse of this situation, but Minnesota was kind of that established team. They were making a playoff run. Detroit was ascending. They were like 500. Now Detroit is here. So if you want to hold this division, not just this year, but over the next couple of years, you have to win divisional games in December. Like this is the biggest statements you can make, and you're going to see this team twice, maybe three times. So you want to keep it so you don't see this team three times, and so the next time they play you, they're like, fuck. You know, like we, this is a bad matchup. I think they have the physicality to punish this defense. They also have the speed that B flow in this defense has not yet seen with Gibbs and all the Jamison Williams and, so, and Amon Ra, like the quick answers to the blitz that I don't think the Vikings are used to. So I think this is a good matchup for them. Jared Goff, okay, not terrible against the blitz, but I think you're inside. Hey, let's get you back inside, Jared Goff. Uh, two weeks in a row, under a roof, 
Um, this is this is this is a good spot for Detroit. I really feel that way. Minnesota ran the ball last week. That's the question because they they ran it on Cincy. Cincy lost Reader early in the game, but I thought they were going to run the ball anyways because they were getting movement early. And then you know the Lions on the other side without McNeil. So who can take advantage of that void in the middle a little bit better? The Vikings absolutely have to. Because if you look at, at Mullins, you want play-action pass, you want to hit the middle of the field, I would take that away. If C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes back, there's another guy to commit to the middle of the field and make him make throws outside. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the all-in-one app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. With multiple tools for saving, spending, and sending, Cash App is an all-in-one way to stay in control of your money. Whether I need to send money to my pumpkin grower, pay for anything related to floating the river, quickly pay back a buddy for a night out on the town, or settle a bet, I can always count on Cash App. With security, boosts, discounts, a free-to-order debit card, no overdraft fees, Cash App is like a BFF for your money. It can be your read. Read's my BFF in the studio. Cash App, the exclusive financial services partner of Greenlight, downloaded in the App Store, or Google Play to see why it's the number one finance finance app in the U.S. App Store. Middle tier is the Beverly D'Angelo tier. Beverly D'Angelo is, is an Italian-American treasure. I thought you might say that. Mrs. Clark Griswold, does that do anything for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who that is. Why didn't you say, like, James Gandolfini on one of these? Because Beverly D'Angelo is deserving. I mean, she bared her chest for us, Chris. Yeah, she did. You're right. For, I, now I know who she is for, in the pool. For, well, yeah, in the shower. There's another. Wow. Well, I just in the don't pool. remember the shower scene like that. But Bills at Chargers. Uh, Chris, is it GIF or is it GIF? Everybody's rooting for the Bills. That line is now 12 points. This game's being played on Saturday. This is a making classic in the locks. Like, I knew you would give this out because, you know, the, the a little light reading will tell you the Sharps are on the Chargers. It's a blind faith thing. You know, it, it opened at 14, now it's 11. Like, every person that, that I'm like, hey, why are you on the Chargers? They can't answer it. <laughs> you know, like, it, and maybe I'll ask you, and maybe you have a good reason, but, like, the interim coach bump is is it for me. Like, and I think a lot of times you think, well, what gives? It's Easton Stick. The defense is actually pretty bad. You know, the offensive line's bad. Eckler can't see the field anymore. Um, the receivers are hurt. I... I <laughs> Here's what I think. I think when you look at Vegas and what they did to, to, to uh, L.A. last week and what they've done over the last four to six weeks of the season, they're not – like, can they be that much better than they were under Josh McDaniels? I don't think it's necessarily a thing of, of like, improvement. I think it's a, it's a deal where you stay out of the things that hurt you. And, you know, you, Josh McDaniels is, is, is gone, so he's out of the way. You know, is Brandon St- – how, how in the way was Brandon Staley? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a reason they fired him. So, I, it, and he's bad enough, in my opinion, that it's not just like a marginal improvement to have anybody out there not named Brandon Staley. Like, they will improve. I think that. But the Bills, man, the Bills, I, I, I think the only way they lose this game or it's close is if they turn the ball over. So if I'm the Bills, I do what I did last week. I just say, hey, we're trying to go on a run. We're going to have to play more, t- more games than anybody who wants to go where we're trying to go. And all these games, of all the teams that have to win out to get in, they're the ones with real Super Bowl chances. 
And so I would look at this as like the shorter, the shorter we can make this game, the better. The, the sooner we can get on the plane, the better. The, the, the less time that, that players are out there with a, with a chance to get hurt, the better. Run the, cl- the clock down to three seconds on the play clock. Pound the ball. When you got to throw, I love the middle of the field with these tight ends against these backers. Um, I would just shorten the fucking game. And as it stood going into that Sam Howell game earlier in the season with McDermott, and I know the defense looked different. He was 8-0 against quarterbacks with five or fewer starts. Howell threw four picks. The, be- the Bills have handled travel well. Like, they just did KC, traveling west. Last year, the opener against the Rams, they thumped them. Um, you know, how do you fix the Chargers is, is a question we could talk about in this breakdown because we're not really breaking down the game. I think there's two, two options if you're the new head coach of the Chargers next year. There's a lot to be excited about, but it's either a rebuild or a retool. And, you know, those decisions are going to tell you, do you move just Keenan Allen or do you move Mike Williams too? Although Mike Williams going to be on the wrong side of 30 off a knee, like maybe there's not the market for that guy. But um, there are decisions like Mac and Bosa. Do you move one or do you move both? Like it's a no-brainer to maybe sell Mac high. You know, a team like a team like uh, we, we we were talking about Jacksonville or we were talking about some of these teams that would kill to have a rusher like that this year. Those are the first calls I make. And, you know, with the wide receivers, I'm calling Houston. I'm calling, I don't know, am I calling Kansas City? You know, like by the time we're getting, you're never going to trade Keenan in division. But there are teams that could use uh, even an aging veteran like that who's still making plays, whether it's wide receiver or defensive end. And if you look at Bosa, he's played in 14 games over the last two years. So there's a lot of questions you have to answer. I think you got to go attack the draft and grab a right tackle because those guys don't hit free agency. You can't trade for one. Um, and, and, and I also think the receiver class is deep. So if you want to handle some of these things early, you can go get a receiver later. Um, you know, uh, retool the linebacker room. People say you got to make decisions on Derwin James. I wouldn't. Um, but there's a lot that you have to figure out if you're that, that new GM, if you're the new coach, just looking ahead at what we've got, because I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. I think it's an attractive job, but I, I think you need a cap whiz at GM because you got this quarterback under contract till 2030. You got to work around that and you have to make a decision. Do you want to go for it next year? Or do you just want to rebuild? Next two for the eight and six Bills, home pats at Dolphins. Let's go AFC North. Bengals two-point favorites in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has lost three in a row to the Cardinals, Patriots, and Colts. It's going to be Mason Rudolph. So Nolan worked this little list up, and I think it's an interesting list. Like if Tomlin doesn't lose his job, there's still going to be changes. And, you know, I hate it because I've been picked up by Blitzburg, by Steelers Depot, by Steelers Wire, by, you know, like – all these fucking aggregator sites, which I appreciate them picking us up and the whole thing and crediting us in the, the articles really well. But like, I'm seeing a lot of tweets this week that are saying that I'm calling for the firing of Mike Tomlin. When I don't think that's what we did on Monday. Kyle called for it last week, and I said I could see that. Uh, but the segment ended with me saying I don't think I think Mike Tomlin deserves the respect of not being fired figuratively or physically with three games left in the season. Let's see how this thing ends up for him. Uh, you know, like obviously he's lost control of it a little bit, but this isn't, this is the first time I've ever seen this happen. And it also doesn't seem like an organization that just makes knee jerk decisions. Uh, the culture is so important. You'd have to reset there. So this was, this was interesting because I think you, you, you'd have to go replace obviously the coordinator. There's nobody in house that you feel like elevating Brian Greasy is the name that Nolan brought up. 
Brian Callahan. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator in Cincy Greece. He's in San Francisco, quarterbacks coach. Robinson's the quarterback coach with the Rams. Another option is Gerard Johnson. He's a Texans QB coach. Nolan threw him on the list. You could pick that first branch off the Slowick tree. Uh, Bevel, you remember him. He's the QB and passing coordinator in Miami. Uh, and, and, and Jason Vrabel, not related to Mike, receiver and passing coordinator in Green Bay. And then lastly, I think Frank Smith, is a guy, you know, would fit the profile of a guy that probably wants to be a head coach but could also use calling the plays himself. And, you know, if you got to have a guy there that understands the run game because I think that's what you lean into next year. I think Kenny can run a West Coast offense. And if you look around the league, some of these offenses that are doing a really good job, they're modernized West Coast offenses, I would look there. Now, zooming into this game because they're not out of it, this is an absolute playoff game for both teams. They cannot afford to lose. Um, the losers going to Cancun or wherever it is. It's that time where, where guys are planning off-season trips and the Steelers and the Bengals haven't had to plan it yet, but Monday, you'll know. Steelers laying two on the road uh, earlier in the season. Now they're, they're you know, like if you, if, you, if you calculate that, they're one-point favorites on a neutral site. Now they're catching two and a half at home. Something's not adding up. Like, to me, are the Steelers that much worse? Is the loss of the safeties that big a deal? I think it might be. But the question to me is, is the loss of Reader even bigger for, for Cincinnati? Because the first time they played, Pittsburgh had the ball for 37 minutes. They almost had the ball for more minutes than Cincinnati ran plays. Cincinnati ran 38 plays. I haven't crunched the numbers, but I don't know if a team ran less plays on any given Sunday this season than since he did the first time. The two big drives they had where they scored a touchdown and a field goal, there was one thing in common, big Jamar Chase chunks. Jamar Chase probably not playing this weekend. Uh, Mixon went eight carries for 16 yards. So I do think there's something about the Steelers' defense that's not going to agree with Jake Browning the way that Minnesota, the way that Jacksonville, the way that Indy has with this offense. And I think, I think although I'd lean over, because I, I have a theory here, the NFL in these standalone games, uh, whether they're Saturdays or Christmas or like when everybody's watching, they want these overs to hit. Cool. That's the conspiratorial part of my brain. And I do think these two teams are going to move the ball. This is the first game a month and a half ago or a month ago that you didn't have Matt Canada's shadow looming over the offense and you, and you had 400 yards. Now, I don't know if I feel as good about the Steelers if they were starting Trubisky, but maybe Mason Rudolph Christmas week keeps them in the playoffs and that was also that first meeting was the first time we saw jake browning we didn't know he was going no to question be super competent and i don't know if you can chalk it up to that we'll see yeah. you know we're going to learn a lot about cincinnati's you know plausible you know, viability in the playoffs this weekend eight and six colts are at six and eight falcons did you see arthur smith say this week that he's going to die trying to get it right love that quote loved it and it's going to be heineke if we were doing locks right now I'd look hard at the Falcons minus one point. I was too, Make, and I might bet them, but here's my, my big question. Like, um, and this might be the biggest like Uncle Rico bowl of all time with two quarterbacks who, who just march the beat of their own drummer. You know, like they're, they're regular guys. Taylor Heineke's got a Bush Light sweatshirt on this week. You know, uh, uh, Minshew leaves his van every morning to go to work. Also in a Bush Light sweatshirt. Yeah. He's probably got Bush Light in his mini fridge in, in the RV. And, and so this is like a lot of fun. These two guys, they mirror each other in certain ways. And um, I think they're guys that you can rally around. And Indy's been able to rally around Minshew. 
And I said this Monday, uh, it's, it's insane to me, and I said it again the other day, but you weren't in, that the Falcons, with a game they absolutely have to win, bench Bijan for turning the ball over, and the guy that you've been protecting all year, the quarterback, has turned the ball over at every turn. I think they had, a, had him in for one drive in the preseason. He threw a pick. We've seen enough. Let, all right, let's get to the regular season where you do more of the same. And last week, all you needed was a game manager, and he couldn't even do that down in the red zone um, you know, against the Carolina Panthers. So I just think Arthur Smith, some of these decisions this year have been really mind-boggling. Going back now to Heineke, I think it's the right move. But the big question to me that's keeping me from jumping all over the Falcons, and by the way, the line moved like four or five points, I feel like. And, you know, that's, that to me is, is, is a sign that Vegas agrees on Heineke and Ritter. Um, I don't know if it was four points. It was a couple points. Um, my big concern is the Colts. You think you can run the ball on them. You think that's your advantage. You've been banged up up front, and they get Grover Stewart back, who makes a big difference. And if you watched this Colts front last week, they were hell on wheels. They were penetrating. They were knocking guys back. I had Buckner on the pod this week. They got a good group up front when Grover's there. And so that's my big question. Can you run the ball on them even with the way they played last week? And then, you know, offensively for for the Colts, they're down guys, Pittman, Moss, but they could get Taylor back. So in a toss-up game, who do you trust, Steichen or Arthur Smith? That's what's keeping me from mashing the Falcons. And a producer can chime in, but I think Defoe may even be on this here pod. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, he's on this pod. He's on this pod. So we interviewed him. We threw him on YouTube. He's on this pod right after this preview so you can hear more about this, this Colts front. Raiders are at the Chiefs, AFC West. Raiders won 63-21 versus the Chargers. You may remember Chiefs got New England 27-17. This game's on Monday. Ten-point spread. So I, I can kind of break these two mirror image kind of games down. The, the Giants and the Eagles, uh, Kansas City and the Raiders, both teams – you know, have had their struggles this year. Eagles more recently, more pronounced, but both hosting division foes laying 10 plus points. And I think, you know, maybe the reason um, I was listening to, uh, I like this, this Action Network favorites podcast, some of the gambling stuff they talk about on there. But, you know, some people are, I think the line's okay. Like, I, I think Kansas City's 10 points better at home. Like, you know, I, I don't know how, if the Raiders are starting to air it out, I don't know how they, they do that against the Chiefs at Arrowhead and score. So I kind of lean under. Um, but when I look at this matchup and the 10-point the line, maybe that's the guard against teasers. You know, for people at home that think about teasers, like maybe Vegas is just pushing that up there to 10 so you don't get – and this is what Simon and those guys said on that, that Action Network podcast I thought was interesting is like, as you know, if you push a teaser, you lose, as I know. Um, and maybe that's why that line's up there to protect against the two and a half. But I think Kansas City rolls. I think it's time to get into playoff mode for every guy on the roster. I think Vegas jumped them at home a month ago. They're not going to do that this week. Um, and we heard Spags talk about this that this week. If you get a chance to listen to Spags, it's one of my favorite in- interviews of the year so far. Um, obviously, one of the best DCs in the league. But I brought up red zone defense, and you know I didn't even mean to to make it a thing about them. But you could see right away that's a big sticking point for him where we have not been good enough in the red zone so to me for all the things they got to work out on offense they have to work that out defensively come January um I I do think Philly I felt like this is a spot they cruised to but then I saw Landon Dickerson down Mm -hmm. against this front not great and I think for the Eagles if you don't start fast you have to be ready to get booed (laughs) 
Mm. Like, yeah. I've seen this movie. Um, if you come out with a three and out early in the game, you're going to get booed. You know, how are you going to respond? And I talked about going to Seattle and wishing they play with more emotion. Like, this is an intangible thing. You should win this game, but you cannot come out of this game without playing with a boatload of emotion because that can sometimes kickstart your team. Big win at home, guys jumping around, guys flying around. Matty P with another week uh, running this defense. I, I feel like both teams roll here, but if I had a lean on who I would bet, it'd probably be Kansas City at home because they've been here. You know, like the Eagles have been here too, but this team isn't acting like a team that's been here. You know, when you, when you look closely at some of the things that have been said, some of the things I see on the field, Kansas City, even with their struggles, they're just a safer bet. Darren Ravel called up Cutlets and said, why don't you show up at the pizzeria for free? Tommy obliged. So a little bit of... Wow, that's fucked up with Darren. Like Darren basically took $10,000 out of Tommy DeVito's pockets because Tommy can't say no because he looks like a bad guy, even though he's just doing business. And, you know, pro football talk had some clickbaity headline that he dumped Stilato, but he didn't. He just hired a marketing guy because Stilato was handling his marketing stuff. You know, NFL players, they have agents, they have marketing guys. Um, good on Tommy DeVito uh, to make that happen. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm on my Game Time app right now. I'm looking at Virginia Tech tickets. You know, maybe we'll win one of those at some point. We did it with Bryce Perkins. Anyways, I keep scrolling on the app. I'm gonna get tickets to the Commonwealth Cup. Game Time makes it easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area even last minute deals. I know because I always wait to the last minute. You can preview the views from all your seats in the venue and game times, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, protects my tickets. That's what I need. Game time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT. G-R-E-E-N-L-I-G-H-T. That's the code for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're into the bottom tier. This is the Rick Pitino tier. Rick Pitino lasted 15 seconds. These breakdowns are going to last about 15 seconds to get you onto a, a bird to Philly. Seahawks at Titans. Seahawks are two and a half point favorites. Seven and seven. Drew Locke. We saw what happened against Philly. Yeah. Vrabel spot? 
This is a variable spot. These are the, that's the first five words on my notes here. This is a variable spot um, off a short week. Seattle's off a short week. Um, you know, I, I, Tannehill is, is going to start for them, uh, for, for the Titans. And I think whether Drew Locke or, or Geno plays, I, I still like the chances for, for the Titans here at home. Tannehill has gotten a really unique experience this year. He got to die and, and, and get his flowers. You know, like they benched him. There was an outpouring of support from people like me in the media, Titans fans, like the respect we have for Tannehill and the run he's engineered there. Uh, the Albert Brooks curb your enthusiasm thing comes to mind where you can actually watch your own funeral. This is a next level deal where you can actually like walk out of the casket and, and play one more time. And I think if Tannehill beats this, this team in this meaningless game and looks great, it's going to be electric in that stadium. You know, this is one of those things. It doesn't count for anything, but it counts for a lot. You know, like when I think about my time as a player, I played in so many games that didn't mean anything, but they meant the world to the guys on the field for a number of reasons. This is going to be one of those games for Tennessee. And Will Levis, I know he's probably out, but if there's any chance that you hear this or that you're thinking about playing, do not be a hero because playing on a high ankle changes your ankle. I've done it. I did it in St. Louis the very next week, got a high ankle, went and tried to play through it, shot it up. My ankle was never the same. And for guys that are considering doing this for no reason, just don't. Commies at Jets. Aaron would be playing if he were 100%, but he's not, so he won't. Jets are favored by three. <laughs> exactly. All this stuff that I'm like, I wanted, I wanted to shake Kyle and Nate. Like, you guys, got, <laughs> you jumped out of the gym on this thing. They've been eerily quiet. Well, because they, 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 they fell for the okie doke. This was never going to be a thing, okay? But um, as for the Jets, you figure off a, off a bad loss like that, they're going to come out and play better. I know that nobody's paying attention to this game. Washington's defense is terrible. If the Jets play a terrible defense, they can move the ball. And so, like, some of that, that, that Sam Howell, Cinderella stuff, like, he's kind of turning into a pumpkin. Jacoby Brissett came in last week and looked pretty good. So I, I think this is an interesting game when it comes to, to both teams and, like, what they're going to glean about their teams. This is a time for two teams that are, that are eliminated where guys can stand out and get into good standing with the next coach or the next coordinator. So there's going to be some guys playing hard on this field. It doesn't mean a damn thing, and I won't be watching this game, but I actually lean Jets. Packers are at the Panthers. Look out. Packers favored by five. It's a trap. I wish I had given out the, the Panthers plus five. You know, Carolina, um, they do play teams tough at home. You know, like they have done it a few times this year. And I think for the Packers, this is a big test because on one side of things you look at and you're like, if we win out, we go to the playoffs. And every game is supposed to feel like a playoff game from here on out. But it's a 1 p.m. game in front of 17 people in Charlotte. The, the upper bowl is going to be empty. You look at some of the shots of that stadium last week in the rain. It's really hard to get up in those situations. So I think for Green Bay, not a really veteran-laden offense, right? Like we talk about some of the, the issues last week where the more veteran team won. They got to play like, like vets. And they got to know the gravity of this situation. And they got to know that they got to jump out on these guys. And if they don't, they could be finding themselves in a dogfight. Um, you just played at Lambeau in a game that had playoff atmosphere, and you're going to go play in front of nobody in a fucking hangar in Charlotte. So you have to be better. Win out, you get in. Chicago Bears are 5-9. and nine. 
They're hosting the Arizona Cardinals. They're favored by four points. Bears, tough spot after being up 10 and losing to the Browns last week. Who wants to lose more? Yep. You know, that's what it comes down to. Um, I'm still undecided on, on, you know, if I totally get it. I still believe in Justin Fields, but Chicago has to make a decision. And I think the decision comes down to if you're not sure, you know, a rookie deal quarterback or a guy you're going to pay a lot of money. Um, and so I think for Justin Fields, he's got to be lights out. He's got to be lights out this last month of the season. I was hoping for snow on Christmas in Chicago. We're not going to get it. Um, but this game is totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant except for the draft order. Could we? And it's just because Mooney couldn't catch the ball. If Mooney could catch the ball, this would be one of the biggest games of the weekend. And we'd be riding that, that Bears to the playoffs train. But because Mooney couldn't cut, catch the ball, because various people couldn't catch the ball, <laughs> yeah. because they can't score – uh, off of turnovers because uh, why are they here? I have no idea because they're actually a, a decent team. Yeah. It, it, like it's it's crazy to me. If they hadn't played with their food so much, you might have been able to afford last week. Last game, Christmas Eve, eight fifteen, NFL Network. Browns Broncos are hosting the Patriots. Thirty seven degrees. Maybe we can get some precipitation there. Broncos are favored by five and a half. Uh, if I'm Bill, do I run a bunch of bullshit? Like, do I just, like, throw them off because you know you're going to get Sean Payton maybe twice a year next year? If, if, if he is the coach of the Chargers, and I don't think that's the move because earlier the one thing I left out, again, I'll say it, is when you got a franchise quarterback, I think you bring in an offensive head coach so you don't lose that coordinator if you have a defensive head coach and things go well for the quarterback. But if it's Bill Belichick, maybe you make that higher. If I'm Bill, you know, last week we said, is this the last time you see him and Andy? Is this the last time you see him and Sean Payton? Maybe not. Maybe this is the, the first of many. Um, but I, I think Denver thrives off turnovers. Zappy's a guy you can get some off of. Really stingy run defense on the other end. So the, the one lifeline looks good, but the other not so good for the Broncos. Like you, you might have to win left-handed without running the ball. That defense has to create turnovers. And the last thing I'll say is like some of these, the stories that, that, get, get, that get you know aggregated on a week-to-week basis – I look at it and I'm like, am I supposed to care about this? And, and the Sean Payton yelling at Russell Wilson thing falls squarely in that category for me. You don't, you don't want squarely a public apology? No. What the fuck are we doing? I mean, I, I've gotten yelled at. I've seen guys on a sideline get told that, uh, and I know people at home can't hear this. They'd probably be upset about this too, but like that, they're, that their mother should have swallowed them. <laughs> you know, like, like I've heard that in an NFL meeting room. So uh, forgive me for not feeling bad for Russell Wilson because he got yelled at by Sean Payton. He's making, you know, I, I don't know who's making more than him in the state of Colorado, not holding a baseball bat. I, like maybe, maybe the owner, uh, maybe the guy that owns Red Rocks, but it, he's one of the highest paid employees in the state. If you're going to get yelled at, take it like a champ. <laughs> you know? Fucking organization mortgage their future for you you know you, you played a team last week that the quarterback fell into their lap in a trade and they were like what do we want to do with Jared Goff I guess we'll play him for three years and win the division <laughs> you know like and and on the other end the Broncos they mortgage the future for this guy and and it hasn't been great so anyways the point I am making is largely that most of these teams matter the point I am making largely is that most of these games matter even when they don't mathematically. You can find a reason. We're going to start going through 
over the next week or two, we're going to dig for reasons that games matter. The draft, incentives, uh, you know, benchmarks for players. There's something to watch for in every game, and that's why the NFL is king, and that's why we're taking over Christmas. God's, God's producer is going to send us out on a, on a high note here. So, yeah, the most important thing uh, of this show – since it's a Thursday, we can hear your Thursday night time machine predictions, and we won't have uh, we won't have the final score yet. So ten to nine, Chris is leading. We've got two weeks left. Oh fuck! Two <laughs> weeks left. What does it come down to? Is it a final layup at the buzzer? Macon Rams thirty, Saints twenty. Chris Rams twenty three, Saints seventeen. Okay. Yeah, we're both on the Rams. We both think the Rams are going to cover, but um, it is a push. But this is tough. Th- Thursday night, um, you know, traveling west for for uh, for the Saints. Like, this is a tough spot for them. I just hope they keep it kind of close now. Blow them out. Go Rams. Everybody, stick around. We got DeForest Buckner coming up, and we will be back on Tuesday. No live show on Monday. Everybody, have a really, really merry Christmas. Or, you know, is Hanukkah over? It's over. It okay, is. I hope you had a great Hanukkah. If you do Kwanzaa, I hope it's the best Kwanzaa ever. And, you know, like, that's how I should greet everyone because everybody's like, I feel like it's gotten so politically charged, whether you're saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. I just don't like pissing people off. So I hope everybody has a happy holiday. And if you already had your holiday, I hope it's a – if you celebrate the Chinese New Year, if that's coming up, I hope the Chi- – uh, Happy New Year. Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Have a happy Boxing Day. Whatever you're celebrating, celebrate it hard. And don't get too bent out of shape if your team's losing because we've got a lot to be thankful for. That's what I told Eagles fans the other day. It's just football. It's just a sport, right, at the end of the day. So enjoy. Happy hunting on the bets. Hey, have a great and grateful day every day. Love is love. Mm-hmm. Day by day, by day by day. Here's DeForest Buckner. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because we get you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Please, Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Game day is the perfect pizza day. So make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, to have your NFL game day covered. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It's a pizza, pizza win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery for our in-store pizza portal pickup. 
So grab some friends, order your Little Caesars, and enjoy during the games. All right, got one of my favorite players, one of my favorite interior rushers in the league, DeForest Buckner. You know him from San Francisco and, and Indy. Uh, he's been terrorizing backfields for a few years now, and he joins the Greenlight Pod. What's up, Defo? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. I uh, The one-two punch you guys have, and I know we haven't talked since you've been in Indy, but one of my favorite one-two punches in the league, and obviously you guys were missing Grover uh for for a span of time how good yeah. was it to get him back and what's that dude all about because he is hell on wheels every yeah. down dude no definitely you know grove grove is just one of those guys man he plays with a high motor you know what i'm saying yeah. and for his size i mean the quickness that he has you know the speed that he plays with i mean i'm i'm very fortunate to play with a player like him and uh he, and he's a great teammate you know what i'm saying he's he's always looking to figure out ways to, to help help others and and you know on the field he helps me out a lot obviously yeah. for especially on first and second down I mean it was a it was we was kind of weathering the storm while he was away you know what I mean on his little suspension and uh we we fortunately you know it was actually you know allowed a lot of young guys to you know gain some some growth in the game and and you know just a little bit more experience under their belt and uh you know I mean they did pretty well while he was away but having him back is definitely uh definitely very good for our defense I knew he would help you get the matchups in the past game you wanted but I was shocked to see the Steelers try to block you with a tight end <laughs> were you just as shocked <laughs> to see Fryermuth come down on you it, it was insane so you know what they were trying to do was uh they were trying to get us out of out of position they know yeah. we uh we know, they know we slide the front so they were initially lining at the tight end on one side motioning him over so I, so I get in the two eye and Grove gets in the three and because they know I play the I mean if you watch film I mean mm -hmm. I can't you can't trap or whammy if I know you run run, run whammer trap like they couldn't they couldn't trap you the other day you yeah great so, play and trap. exactly so like they they tried to get Grove in the three tech and try to wham him and mm -hmm. uh and, and during halftime we were like you know what they're trying to get us out of position so when we see that motion let's just flip and uh, I'll go back to the three. He was like, all right, cool. You know, and I mean, we did it. We did it the first play and they tried to wham him. Mm -hmm. And Grove looked at me. He was like, they would have got me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so cool to, for people to hear the kind of the, the inner workings of that thing on rundowns. And, yeah. you know, there's so many moving parts. But I think, you know, speaking of moving parts, you guys as a group, one of my favorite things about your rushing is you rush well together. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't seem like you got any selfish guys. No. You know, I would count you as a superstar, but the other guys are kind of unheralded. And, mm -hmm. you know, especially a guy like Samson outside who I'm oh, watching dude. tape on you guys halfway through the year. And I'm saying, who is this 52 guy? I don't remember. Who is this guy? Oh, yeah. And he's popped up in different spots and he was really good in L.A. What has somebody like that added to your group? And especially with young guys like Quiddy Pay who are coming along, mm -hmm. having that guy outside who's a vet. Man like Samson I mean obviously like I watched him when he was you know in LA and when he was with San Francisco the past couple of years and uh seeing what the you know the type of motor he plays with and and what he was able to do with the snaps that he was given you know what I'm saying yeah. uh just as a rotational guy I was like oh he's going to definitely help us out and him as a you know bringing him in as a starter and seeing him on on every single down I mean he plays his tail off and then on top of that I mean talk about getting getting pressure on the quarterback uh i mean and he's he's been he's been something uh we've been missing you know what i mean out here for a little yeah. bit and uh you know he with his play style and his body type i mean he matches just he matches right up with quitting 
you know what I mean? And yeah. he's he's able to help elevate Quiddy's game and and uh, and also young guys like Dio as well. And so just being able to have that, you know, element in him and and his veteran leadership, you know, in the in the classroom. I mean, he's been a tremendous help for us. And uh, it's been I actually hit him up the other day, and I was just telling him I was like, it's fun watching you know him have his best career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the best, yeah, this is I mean, best year, year for sure. Career. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's, it's been awesome to see. So, I mean, I love seeing guys, you know what I mean, just flourish and, you know, all their, their hard work, you know, they're, they're starting, he's starting to reap the benefits of it. It's, you touched on an interesting thing. I always said this, like, you know, when I was a vet, I can't tell a rookie or young guy exactly how to do it because body types are different, but they mm -hmm. do have a similar build and a similar skill set. I mean, I think Samson's maybe a little twitchy, but, yeah. but, you know, for you, when you have these young guys, you're a very unique build. You know, like you can you can do things and say, don't try this at home, guys, you know, because you're not <laughs> six, seven and you can't right. do certain things that I do. Uh, do you when you help these young tackles along and, and during this process, what's the main thing you're harping on them about uh, when it comes to making a run and what you guys have to be inside? No, yeah, I'm honestly just being able to like I, I tell them all the time, like I, I do. Like, like you said, you know, we're built different. You know, I can do certain certain things, certain movements that, uh, you know, some of the other guys can't. But um, they, they can also do certain movements that I can't. You know what I mean? Right. Just because their body type. And I try to tell them all the time, like, on those certain things, on a technique or whatever it is, whatever works for you, keep working on that each and every day. Um, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, and don't get complacent with doing yeah. the same thing every day. You know what I mean? That's just the only yeah. way you're going to get better is just continuing to, to work on your, your craft. And yeah. Um, and also just like talk about guys with body types. I mean, a guy like Dio, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Dio is just, he reminds me of, my, of myself, to be honest, when I was younger. I mean, he's, he's lanky, you know, he's working at end and moving inside on third down. And, and so with guys like Dio, I mean, I always try to tell him like, yo, work off your length. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you got, God bless you with long arms. I mean, you know, you can really work off your length and, um, and I mean, it's been, it's been working for him, you know. And he's been able to obviously also put in the, you know, his little twitchiness and, you know, doing his cross chop. He loves to cross chop. And, yeah. uh, and you know what I mean? So he, he's yeah. able to, you know, incorporate that into his game as well. So, I mean, it's been, it's fun. I love being able to help our younger guys, man. I mean, since I came in the league, um, the one guy that, you know, really took me under his wing right when I got in the league was uh, uh, Michael Bennett. You know, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, me yeah. and Mike had a year together. We were uh -huh. boys from way back in yeah. NFC West, but we actually had a year together in Philly. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a character right there, bro. Oh yeah, well, no, definitely. You know what I mean. But I, <laughs> what I love about Mike, though, he'll tell you. He'll, he's blunt. You know what I mean. He's yeah. gonna just say uh -huh. whatever comes to his head, and I mean, he's honest. And uh, yeah, you know, ball. he didn't need. He, yeah, he didn't need to help me out at all. I, mean, I didn't even know him. Yeah. And you know, when I got. When I got drafted, uh, he hit me up shortly after, and he was like, "Hey, if you're ever in Hawaii, I live out here." Like, there it is. He was like, "If you ever, you know, if you're in Hawaii, I live out here. You know, just hit me up and we can train." And at first, I was like, "This ain't the Michael Bennett from the Seahawks. Like, what mm -hmm. are you doing in Hawaii? You know what I mean?" Mm -hmm. But I mean, shoot, I, I hit him back, and I mean, he, you know, my first two years in the league, I worked out with him, and you know, he taught me a lot, man. You know, especially from the mentor standpoint, you know, leader, you know, just being able to mentor younger guys and and really show them the ropes and help them out. Yeah, if he's not in Hawaii, he's in New Zealand or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. That dude, is, that dude is wild. But, you know, and speaking of this, because me and Mike used to get in situations like this, and you guys are all boys, but at the end of games, 
when you guys are in two minute mode and you're up mm -hmm. a couple scores like what's that like on the sideline for y'all fighting over reps trying to get out there because you're a vet and sometimes yeah. coaches will be like yo Defo, you gotta like we gotta give you a rest, right? Yeah, because you know, you're, know, you're a yeah. guy, but you want those reps. Definitely, yeah, no, for sure. When you're in two minute mode, man, it's you know, there's, I mean, it's it's hard. One, it's you know, it's it's hard to get get in that mode, especially when you're up by a couple scores and you know it's like okay, it's free lunch. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's blood in the water. We can get after the quarterback, and you de you definitely don't want to get off the field. So, uh, it's definitely a fight. You know what I mean? Guys are guys are right at coach's hip. You know what I mean? Yes, like, dude. Hey man, you know what I mean? Put me in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know, I've got a few arguments. Me. I've yeah, got I'm a few there. arguments with coaches. I'm like, man, come on. You had me out there on Wednesday for 45 plays, but you can't let me play a couple out here on Sunday and, exactly, and have yeah. my stats. But uh, here's the other thing. And I always ask D Lyman this because we used to have a process for this, but is it a code break to get half a sack? And you know it's yours or you think it might be yours and to go in there and turn that bad boy in if the other half is maybe your boy that's sitting two desks over from you because me and mike b used to go back and forth on this thing yeah but my, my but my my personal opinion is you turn that son of a bitch in because <laughs> <laughs> this is money on the line dude there there is money on the line you know what i mean and and uh i tell you what there was a it was a I don't know, because I, I had I had a I had a actually a an incident where Quiddy Pay. Yeah. It was his rookie year. And uh, you know, I felt like we both got to the quarterback at the same time. It was his first it was his first career sack. Yeah. And they gave him the entire they gave yeah, him the whole tough. sack. And I, I knew I was like, Oh, this this is like it was a bang bang. You know, we both uh -huh. hit him at the same time, but they gave it to Quiddy. And I was like, you know what? He's a rook. You know, I was like, you know what, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not gonna turn it in. I'm, a, I'm gonna let him have the sack. You're a better man than me. But hey, came full circle. We're playing San Francisco. All right, later that year, we're in yeah. San Francisco. Obviously, like it's a big game for me. And the end of the game, it, I mean, we, you know, we're we're, we're up. It's the mm -hmm. end of the game. I come around the corner. I sack Jimmy G. I'm, I like, I have him, and Quiddy's right there, and he just stops. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> he, he just stops and he lets me take Jimmy G down by, that's, by myself. That's and, so cool. And I was like, you know what? That's a good-ass rook. That's <laughs> a great rookie, man. That's a great rook, man. Yeah, he let me have my moment. I mean, it was I – was, I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, just to see just to see what he did for me, I was like, man, that's awesome. Man, that's cool. You know how it is. There's dudes running away from the piles with their fingers oh, yeah. in the air. You know, like it's yeah. like a race to see who can get to the camera Definitely. first. Oh, yeah. Uh, and by the way, you talk about like being in in those moments. You got one of your seven or eight sacks this year is I, the end of the Houston game. Uh, you guys are rushing oh, yeah. three. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's the last play of the game. Definitely, that is a, yeah. when you can get that one, dude, oh, you man. know, and you walk yeah. out of that stadium. <laughs> yep. No, for sure. I mean, it was a, and it was one of those games where it's like, man, I'm rushing my butt off. Close. Right I'm close. close. You know, they're, they're sliding to me the entire game. I'm, I'm yeah. fighting to the entire game. I'm grinding. And it was just, that was just one of just, just the one where the Lord was like, you know what? You've been working your butt off today. Here, here, here here's, here's one it. for you. So, yeah, yeah it was, uh, awesome. yeah, that was a great moment, too. I want to talk about um, Shane uh, as a head coach because he's obviously missed in Philly right now. Yeah. Um, those guys loved him. Mm -hmm. And I think as the dust settles, and yeah, like D'Amico, amazing hire. There's some great coaches in your division, but this might be the best hire. I, I really yeah. feel that way. And, and, 
he's not a guy that seems to show his personality to the media. But if you were to describe to me, if I just got there, they signed Chris Long, and I walked in the locker room, I'm like, yo, D, what's this guy about? What's his personality like? What's his yeah. pet peeves? Give yeah. me the profile of this guy. Dude, uh, Shane is just, I, how I can explain it is just the guy's an ultimate competitor. He loves to compete. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, since then, I mean, when he came in the, the, the door, I mean, everything was about, you know, we're going to be one of the, we're going to be one of those teams where that competes to the very end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're going to compete our ass off each and every mm -hmm. day. Like, everything you heard was all about competing. Should we ended a lot of our team meetings on some type of competition? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, like the uh, Dan Quinn thing. Yeah, I mean, it was just some type shooting of competition. Baskets or... Shooting basketballs, yeah, whatever it is, like, in some type of competition. And, uh, you know, he just established that mindset that culture from day one and you never waver from it. And you just see the guys obviously over time, just buy into the, buy into the process, um, you know, believing what, you know, what he's preaching. And I mean, he's since day one, I mean, been consistent with it. And, yeah. and also like what I appreciate about him is he's a player's coach. I mean, he understands like, you know, it's a long season. Um, you know, we, we went through a stretch where we, were, we had like a three game, four game losing streak, whatever it was. And he was like, you know what? We need to do a walkthrough. You know, you guys are banged up. You know, uh, some coaches will be like, no, we need to we need to put our pads on. We need to work more, 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 yeah, more. But he, you know, yeah, but he dialed, he dialed it back. And, you know, we, we come out and we end up winning. And he was like, you know what, later down, I mean, it's still early in the season. But, you know, obviously down the road, like, you know, Wednesdays, I'm going to dial it back. And, you know, we're going to do more walkthroughs and, and this and that. And, I mean, it's been I mean, the guys just like, you know, appreciate it, coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. just those little things where, you know, he understands, you know, he understands the players. And, uh, I mean, it's it's been, you know, everybody has been, I mean, obviously, he's he's been the best thing to happen, you know, to happen for us, for, in a, you know, in a while. And obviously, and we, it was a much needed hire. And uh, he's, like I said, he's all ball. And, I mean, he's a smart, I mean, smart coach. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. In team meetings, you can just see – how like you mean he he breathes he 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 eats sleeps and breathes football. Mm -hmm. No, I mean he's amazing, and you got two guys uh, in the building who are basically Colts legends and Reggie Wayne and Kato mm -hmm. June. Like, how cool is that to have not only former players in the building and something I always say really matters, but having two guys that really wore the uniform and are speaking from their heart. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I mean that, that means a lot because you know, um, you know, just seeing when you know when times get rough or you know every you know. Certain things like Reggie be like, hey man, like, you know, some, some one of y'all gotta really step up and say something. I'm like, I, I feel you. I like, I mean, I felt, you know what I mean, little things like that, or, or just being able to chop it up with them in certain things. I'm like, hey, like, how'd you guys handle certain situations or little things like that back in the day? You know, obviously, because they they were, you know, they're here to, while the organization was, you know, at, at the top. You know yeah. what I mean, and how they handle business each and every week. So being able to ask them those questions, or you know, just seeing their, hearing their experiences, their, their stories when they went overseas, like when we were in Germany, you know, Cato and, and Reggie was telling us stories about, you know, when they were went to Japan and little things like that. So, I mean, it's cool being able to relate with them and, but also, you know, obviously their, their wisdom. Yeah. When, when Brian Dawkins was in Philly, I used to try to eat breakfast with him as much as I could, you know, cause yeah. just being around those guys, I think it rubs off. Mm -hmm. and uh, they're really valuable, I know, to you guys. Uh, with Anthony Richardson, I love the guy. When he came out, I was like, dude, if somebody can get this guy fine-tuned, yeah. he's going to set the league on fire. And for a couple games there, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. Ha was there a moment where you guys said, oh, yeah, he's 
he's that guy, uh, whether it was in camp or in the early games. And then how do you as a vet and you guys explain to him that he doesn't have to be Superman mm-hmm. every game because you guys are going to need him at some point down the stretch right. whenever it's not Gardner's team anymore? No, yeah. Um, honestly, just seeing him, I mean, for me was like even in camp, um, and watching film on him was just his pocket awareness. You know what I mean? For for a young guy, just feeling the rest, but able to keep his eyes down the field. And uh, that, that really stood out to me. And and obviously, being a rusher, you you, <laughs> you get frustrated with those types of quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, that could just naturally feel the rush and get out, extend plays. And, and really just seeing him just flick it down, I mean, effortlessly, like, flick the ball down the field. And I'm like, yeah. You know what I mean? Hitting, hitting the fun. guy in stride. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, we knew that he had, you know, obviously he had the stuff to, to him. And, uh, you know, like, it's just one of those things where, you know what I mean? He has to, you know, you got to trust in him and he has to trust in his teammates. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, obviously, you know, we don't need you to be Superman. I mean, obviously, um, you know, obviously we need you to make big plays. But, I mean, you know, when, you know, when it's time to make the check down, just throw it to the check down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we, we can, you know what I mean, just trusting the, the guys around you. And, uh, you know, it comes with time, obviously. And, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, he his uh, rookie year was cut short. But, I mean, I know he's he's grinding to get back. And, I mean, he's excited. He's, you know, he's one of those guys with he has that infectious energy to him that everybody loves. And um, he's a competitor as well. So, I mean, he, he couldn't have gotten a better head coach. And, you know, with, the, you know, getting drafted to the, the Colts with Shane. I mean, I feel like Shane, you know, does, does a great job with u- utilizing all of his guys' strengths. You know what I mean? And what they can do. And um, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty set. Here's a question for you as a rusher. Somebody asked me this the other day with Josh Allen and some of the guys, I mean, watching Smoot try to take Lamar down the other night. Mm -hmm. I know you're sitting there like me, and I'm like, oh, geez, man. I mean, but would you rather rush? I'll give you three guys, yeah, and they all fit different profiles. Mm -hmm. Somebody like Tua who's going to get the ball out in 2.2 seconds, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be pinpoint accurate. Would you yeah. rather rush somebody like Josh, who's going to extend a play, but when you get there, you got to get that big son of a bitch down, or would you rather rush a Lamar, who's going to, you know, buy some time like he did the other night, but when he's out, he's out. Which guy is the toughest for you, in your opinion, to rush of those profiles? Of those profiles, I'd say the toughest is is Lamar. Yeah, the hands down. I mean, I've I've had him where I beat. I've it was uh twenty twenty. I mean, we're playing yeah. them at you know at uh, at Lucas Oil. I had a move. I had one where I rushed right up the middle. I'm right up the middle. Beat the guard. Hardest one though. Beat beat the guard. I'm dead on with him. He hit me with just a dead leg, quick. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. You know what I mean? Just little things like that. Like you just don't. It's, it's hard to read his movements. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he can he can escape. You know when you watch it, you're watching tape throughout the week, and and you know you have quarterbacks mannerisms in the pocket. Oh yeah, he you likes know, a this lot of lane. guys. You know yeah. that, yeah. This guy he likes to step up into B gap, or you know he'll he'll he continues to roll out to his right, or this guy he loves to spin out. You know what yeah. I mean when he feels the pressure. Mm-hmm. Lamar, he's one of those guys where I mean you don't know where he's gonna go. You know yeah. what I mean? He he's yeah. escaping. He has every type of escape route. I mean move whatever it is to get out of pressure, and I mean it's it's just hard. I mean it's hard to read his movements. And the worst for the edge guys is, you know, these coaches get so scary, D-line coaches, and, you know, they don't want to let you rush, but then they're pissed when he bails out of the back of the pocket because you're too heavy on a bull rush and vice mm-hmm. versa. If you're too high, right. he's going to step up. So I totally I feel you because it's, it's getting really tough to rush these guys, especially with the rules too. Exactly. All right, Gar- Gar- I got two more questions for you. Garner Minshew, mm-hmm. 
guy lives in a van down by the river. He's eccentric. He's different. I've gotten to talk to him once or twice when he was in Philly. Yeah. He, by all accounts, he's exactly who people say he is. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to be so on his own planet, and I mean this in a good way because I, I like the guy, yeah. how does he connect so well with the guys too? Because he's like in his own world, but he seems like he's perfect for every team that he, 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 he walks on to. You know why? Because, I mean, the guy just loves ball. He loves ball. He, you know what I mean? He just loves football. You know what I mean? He loves to be out there. He loves to compete. I mean, it didn't, didn't even matter when he was a, when he was the backup, when he was scout team quarterback. He was still, you know, every touchdown or if he threw a touchdown in practice against the, the, the first D, he's like screaming, yelling, like, let's go, blah, blah, celebrating. He loves football, man. And you know what I mean? We I'll, I'll go to battle with anybody who loves football as much as Gardner Minshew. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, he just – He's a comp- that's the type of competitor he is, and and honestly, I mean, yeah, he's you know he's in his own world. That's his personality. But you know what I mean. If if that's you, I mean, just be yourself. You be know yourself. what I mean. Like being in, being in this game, being in the locker room. You you know, out of anybody, I mean, authenticity is the the one of the biggest things in the locker room. You know, just be authentic, be yourself. You don't need to be anybody else. You know yeah. what I mean. Uh, just you know, I can't I can't appreciate a, a or go to go to work with somebody who who tries to be somebody somebody they're not. You know what yeah. I mean? And no, I can't no, I can't no, respect exactly. the dude that way. So I mean, that's who he is and you know, I appreciate him. And uh yeah, I mean the guy is just a big competitor. Guy's a beast. Okay, last one. Uh maybe my favorite person to monitor on social media and in general in your organization is is Jim Ursay. Uh you know, one week he's got uh, a four-wheeler that goes underwater and he's landing his <laughs> helicopter, and the next week he's got these Pink Floyd guitars. And yeah. I'm like, what's this dude actually like? And what's the funniest, most off-the-wall thing you've actually seen him do? You know, Mr. Ursay, I mean, one, I, I love I love Mr. Ursay because he just lives life. You know yeah, what I mean? He does, he, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't care about anybody's thoughts or whatever. It's like he's going to do he's going to be him. He's going to do him. And I appreciate that about him. And, uh, you know, I mean, I would say, yeah, I mean, the the whew, you mentioned a video of him on his four wheeler outside of a uh, helicopter <laughs> or whatever. The that's one, probably dude. one of the funniest ones, yeah, <laughs> that I've seen him do. I mean, it's just like you know, he's just making a whole announcement or saying something on camera, but you can't even listen to what he's saying because he's like, look at him, he's on a four wheeler, like he's, right it, next to a plane or a helicopter or whatever it is. I'm like, he's a kid with a, he's a kid with a billion dollars, dude. He's like, <laughs> I got these toys, man, and for Philly people. They got all mad because you guys are playing dreams and nightmares in the locker room. But I was like, you know what? I'm not even mad because Jim Irsay's dancing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They wanna, they're, they're, like, exactly. Tell, they're like, tell Jim Irsay that's our song. I'm like, if Jim, Jim Irsay wants to dance to that song, he's gonna after y'all win, song. he's going to dance to the song. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we could start a trend. Hey, man, good luck the rest of the year, man. Appreciate you. Uh, enjoy, always enjoy watching you play, dude. Just keep Thank doing you, what brother. you're doing and, 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 and tell Big Grover he's got a big fan here. At the gotcha. Greenlight Pod, okay? Yes, sir.